This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Coming up on this week's show, a review of Celebrity Constellation from Kirk. He took an 11-night cruise down to Central America from Tampa. And staff writer Richard Sims is back this week with Cruise News. And as always, don't forget about Cruise Radio News. It is the three things you need to know every Monday through Friday. It's found just opposite of this podcast or on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. Staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Good Cruise News for both Alaska and Canada. How awesome is it that these days, 90% of the news we get to report is good news after like two years of bad news. In this case, uh, it is that ships are returning to both Canada and Alaska. Canada hasn't seen a ship in two years. And recently, Holland America's Koningsdam was the first ship to actually visit there since the shutdown. Uh, They were actually on their way to Vancouver because they're going to be home basing in Vancouver for the summer while they do Alaska sailings. What's kind of interesting is that this was actually Royal, no, I'm sorry, Princess Cruises was supposed to be the first ship back to Canada, but their ship, the Caribbean Princess, wound up having to go into dry dock uh, a little bit early, so they cut that voyage that it was on short, and that allowed Koningsdam to sneak in there and get the uh, get the the right of saying that they were the first one back in Canada. Meanwhile, Alaska is looking to have like its biggest season ever. There's going to be like 60 different ships going up there. All the major lines uh, from the U.S. are represented. It's going to be a huge boon to an economy that has been so hard hit by the last two years. I mean, like so many of the other ports that the ships visit, they, you know, they they rely on cruise money. Yes, there are always people who say, oh, we don't want the cruise ships here, blah, blah, blah. But the vast majority of them recognize that if you lose those cruise ships, you also lose the money that goes along with them. It's sort of like in Jaws when the mayor wants to shut down, or the the, the sheriff wants to shut down the beach and the mayor's like, but Amity needs summer dollars. Mm -hmm. It's the same basic thing. Uh, These towns with whether it's in the Caribbean or Alaska, really, really need this money, especially after the last two years. So to see this many ships ready to hit Alaska is just great news. Yeah, and we say Canada, but also uh, in a couple of months, we'll start kicking off those uh, New England and Canada cruises over here on the East Coast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, One of the things that Meraviglia, when Meraviglia starts sailing for MSC out of New York, uh, that one of the things they're planning to do is not only the Caribbean, but they're also going to do some of those leaf peeper cruises up out of New York and up into Canada. So it's, you know, that is something that we haven't been able to do the last couple of years. You hear a lot about the pent up demand for cruising. And I think there's not only the pent up demand for overall cruising, but there's also demand for these places that, you know, we haven't been able to do. I have friends who have done a, a cruise up into Canada for, you know, for the fall all. They've done it for the last like 15 years, but they haven't been able to do it the last two years because of the restrictions. So this is just this is a, a very exciting time. And an exciting time for Royal Caribbean, too, because they had a big week last week in terms of new ships. They did. They cut the steel for the new ship, which is their sixth Oasis ship. And the name, drumroll please, will be Utopia of the Seas. Uh, They revealed that at the steel cutting ceremony in France. I'm not going to try and name the shipyard in France or even the town that the shipyard is located (laughs) in because I will mangle it if I do. So let's just settle with France. Uh, This is, you know, their newest ship. Their latest ship, Wonder of the Seas, was just recently rolled out and... The new one, like Wonder, will have the new sweet neighborhood. That's sort of the biggest thing that they really rolled out on Wonder. They rolled out some other things like, you know, a new restaurant. But I think the most exciting thing was probably the sweet neighborhood because this is – you know, their ship within a ship concept, meaning, you know, the the people who are staying in this area have their own private sun deck and things like that, which that is all the rage among the cruise lines now, whether it's the Haven on Norwegian or uh, the Retreat on Celebrity. So it's kind of been fun watching the uh, royal ships dive into that. 
Yeah, they're all certainly evolving um, in more ways than one these days. So prices are on the rise across the board over there at Carnival Cruise Line. Yeah, this is not necessarily a huge surprise. So not long after Norwegian Cruise Line announced that they were upping their daily gratuity rate, Carnival came along and said they were upping theirs. But what's interesting is Carnival didn't just up the daily gratuity rate, which, you know, to be honest, most of the feedback we've gotten on that is that people are okay with that. They know that like these these workers, whether it's the room steward or the other people who benefit from the daily gratuities, have not been at work for two years. They They really, you know, over these two years, we saw a big outpouring of support for these people. And now we're actually seeing it continue. Even it's sometimes interesting to see, do people put their money where their mouth is? Like I'll support the workers, but I don't want to pay them more. But most people have been genuinely okay with like, yes, go ahead. Let's raise it. It's not a lot. It's like, you know, 50 cents on one line, a dollar on another. So it's not that big a deal. But where is kind of a big deal is that Carnival also announced that they're rolling up the price of the drink package. And if you know anything about me, you know two things. One is that I always, always, always travel with a drink package. And the other is that I like to hold on to my money as long as possible. I don't want to give them the payment until it's absolutely due. But in this case, you know, given that on May 1st, Carnival will be raising the package price for Cheers, their drink package... I definitely went ahead and was like, okay, let's pay that off. And the reason I said that was it's not an insignificant price increase. It's $8 per person per day, basically. And, you know, when you add that up, whether you're traveling by yourself or you're traveling with a group, $8 per person per day, if you're on a seven-day sailing, that really adds up. So it definitely makes it worthwhile. If you have a Carnival Cruise coming up, you know, keep that May 1st date in line. Pay off your service charges, which is that goes up on, on May 1st. Pay off your gratuity or your uh, uh, drink package, which goes up May 1st. And there's also going to be a small increase to the two most popular uh, packages that they use for the web. They have like a social package and a value package, and then they have a premier package. And th those packages, some of them are going to see a little bit of an increase. It's not a huge increase. Like I said, the big increase is really the drink package, which is a huge moneymaker for them. But if you have something coming up, book, you know, go ahead and pay that off now. Because their Wi-Fi is just that good, right? <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that, but, you know, it's like I get the premium package and hope that ultimately it will be at least as good as the value package. Yeah, we'll, we'll hope so. So uh, we did a kind of an unofficial poll on Twitter with um, over 500 votes here. And I asked, should cruise lines include gratuities and tips into the fare? And 87 percent of over 500 people said, yes, they should. And 13 percent said no. So there you have it. Unofficial poll, but I uh, just wanted to share those results with you. I'd be interested to hear the thoughts of the people who say no, because it seems like such a no-brainer to me. If I, I assume that the people who say no are those same people who would, on the last day of your cruise, would march down to guest services and say, take my gratuities off. If it was rolled into the price of the cruise, they would not be able to do that. So I'm guessing right. that's who those people are. It is interesting, though, because on NCL, they call it a service charge and not a gratuity, basically meaning it's part of the cruise fare. Like, you're not going to remove those on the last day. Right. And, you know, the thing is, it, it, it is a service charge. It is not a gratuity because gratuity is not something you force on someone. You know, it's something that you choose to give based on service. I, I just I don't understand. You know, we've seen Virgin roll it into their prices. We've seen Celebrity roll it into their prices. It just makes sense. And, you know, you're going to unless you do it every time you raise the prices, you're going to hear from two groups of people. You're going to hear from the nickel and dimers who say, oh, you know, they're just looking for ways to get more money out of me. And you're also going to hear from the people who say, why don't you pay your people enough? If you paid your people enough, you wouldn't have to come to me and make, force me mm -hmm. to pay a forced gratuity. Uh, you know, and I can't say that I don't agree with that. I, I, I don't like the idea of this you know, this, this extra added amount of money that if you rolled it into the cruise fare, I wouldn't even know I was paying it. I would be buying a cruise and assuming that everything basically is covered by the price that I'm paying. Yeah. Well, yeah there's certainly an argument for both sides. Was that walk in the middle enough for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Okay. laughs> I suppose, but I'm, I'm going to fight this one to the death. I, I want them to roll it in. <laughs> uh, another fantasy class cruise ship is officially gone. 
Yeah, this is so sad. Okay, you know, we've been talking mostly good news, but this is the um, the carnival sensation. So not that long ago, we thought that the ship was going to be sailing out of Mobile after the pandemic. But it turns out that at the end of the day, Carnival decided, no, we're going to get rid of this ship. It has gone to where cruise ships go to die, the beach in Turkey, where it will be, you know, sadly but surely, slowly but surely and very sadly disassembled. Uh, It turns out now that Carnival Ecstasy is going to take over the sailings out of Mobile, Alabama, that the sensation was originally slated for. Every time I hear these things, it makes me a little bit sad because it's another ship that I didn't get a chance to sail. I mean, granted, there are like a million ships out there that I'll never sail, but it just always... In the back of my brain, I'm always like, sooner or later, I'm going to hit all of them. And this is yet another I will not get to sail. Did you ever get to sail a sensation? I did. In fact, there were some very questionable photos that popped up in my photo bucket account from from <laughs> sensation from when I was like 22 and 23. So I'll just keep them right there and not let those things surface. But yeah, I, I've done yeah, all of them. That, that, that'll be for the, that'll be for behind the paywall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I've done all of them except Paradise, which I hope to do out of Tampa. Are you a fan or are you not a fan of the Joe Farkas decor? Oh, I love it. I've never actually experienced it in person. I have the book and I love it and I love all the old photos of it. I mean, I am a fan of Tacky, okay? I mean, I love the new ships. I love, you know, how beautiful Mardi Gras has certainly elevated the Carnival product, but I just I just want to get on one of those old ships that's nothing but neon and, you know, do like I want to have like a disco party in the atrium and and experience the real old school Carnival. News of the weird, we'll call this one, because uh, there was a little problem for 10 cruise guests who were sailing on MSC, a transatlantic from Brazil over to Spain. Yeah, this was on the MSC seaside. And um, yeah, I guess saying that they had a little trouble would be one way of putting it. <laughs> As they were getting off the ship, their, um, their bags were kind of detected, let's say, by a canine, and it turned out that they were trying to smuggle 54 kilos of cocaine into the country. There were 10 of them, four men and six women. Uh, They were sort of traveling incognito as like couples on vacation going uh, going down to uh, Portugal, I believe it was. And on the way back, when they got home, they were busted. The cocaine had a 70% purity, which I don't know a lot about cocaine, but that sounds like it's, you know, what they would probably call the good stuff. Uh, I don't remember. Did you read what the street value was on this? Yeah, it was just over like 3.2 million US. Wow. Uh, apparently they had hidden it in the, you know, they had fake bottoms in their suitcases and that's how they were trying to smuggle it in. And all I could think to myself was, so remember a couple weeks ago, we did that story about the people who were coming back from somewhere and they were, they were like, they were trying to, to get like 300 seashells <laughs> yeah. through uh, and they got caught. And I'm like, man, you know, if, if, if people can't get seashells through, what makes you think you're going to get, you know, that much cocaine <laughs> past the people at, at the, uh, at the border. So yeah, they're probably going to enjoy a little, you know, vacation time behind bars <laughs> as a result of their, uh, let's call it a souvenir that they got caught smuggling in. <laughs> <laughs> Listener question. Comes from Ed. I'm sailing on Anthem of the Seas later this summer and had questions about the iFly. That's the uh, indoor skydiving on the ship. Are there restrictions as to who can fly and who can't? And does it cost money? Any info you can provide would be helpful. Nah, anybody can get on board. You want your baby in there? Throw him in a flight suit and get him <laughs> on van. No, no. Of course, there are restrictions. Pretty much, you know, even things like the roller coaster on Carnival, uh, Mardi Gras, and upcoming Celebration and Jubilee, they have re- restrictions. Not just anybody can get on. Um, in this case, you have to be at least three years old, which that seems, I thought it would be older than that. I'm like, I can't imagine a three-year-old <laughs> throwing themselves into the wind tunnel like that. It seems like they'd be blown up to the top immediately. Um, You also have to weigh less than 230 pounds. So, you know, keep that in mind. Although that's if you're shorter than six feet. If you're six feet or taller, you can be up to 250 pounds. So maybe wear lifts in your shoes if you've got a few extra pounds you're packing. I will say something you should know is that while the commercials make this look super cool, like the guy's flying up at the top of the, you know, the top of the dome and 
diving down and then flying back up again. You are not going to do that. <laughs> Just they are going to like hold your hand. You're going to be like three feet off the ground. But it is a super, super, super cool thing to do. I was very nervous about it because I did think that the fan was going to blow me up like in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where they get blown into the the, the rotators at the top of the, the tunnel. You will not – they will not let you do that. Um, they will put on a show for you though. It does not cost money, but you do need reservations which you can make on your cruise planner. I say it doesn't cost money, but we should say that with with a couple of caveats. One is, as always, that could change at any time. And two, I'm saying that about sailings out of the United States. When they sail out of places like Singapore, um, I think even the UK, they do have a charge to use the iFly. But when you're sailing out of the United States, there is no charge. Um, and you definitely want to do it. I have friends who just got off Anthem. And they told me afterwards, I asked if they had done it, and they said their biggest regret was not doing it. Um, uh, she also didn't do on Anthem, they have the, uh, what is that, what is the eye in the sky thing called? Yeah, the North um, Star, right? Yeah, the North Star. Uh, she, she admitted that she was terrified to do that, and she regretted it because her husband did it, and he kept telling her how cool it was. But she was not about to let herself go that high up in the air. So definitely worth doing. Doesn't cost anything, and there are a few restrictions, but the vast majority of people will be able to do it. Yeah, there's like three hand signals that the instructors will tell you, um, and they'll, they'll put you through a video before you do it. And it's like a 10 minute video and it goes through like the instructions, the, uh, the hand signals like 15 times. So you don't forget them. Of course, the moment I get into the wind tunnel at 115 miles an hour, I forgot all the hand signals. So he's like giving these hand signals to me and I have no clue what the hell I'm doing. Um, Same so, here. I got in there. And yeah. As soon as that wind started blowing, I completely forgot. I, I think I was so scared that I might have given an inappropriate hand signal yeah. with involving a single finger. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was super cool. And I highly, highly recommend giving it a whirl because it's it, it is a lot of fun. Yep. Just pay attention to that instructional video before you get into the tube there. We've been talking with Richard Sims. Talk to you next week, buddy. Can't wait. Thanks a lot. Have a tip or a lead on a news story? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Top industry stories from around the world and how they'll impact your next vacation every weekday morning on Cruise Radio News. So Kurt recently returned from an 11-night cruise on Celebrity Constellation out of Tampa, Florida, and he joins us on the line. How you doing, Kirk? Real good, Doug. Good to hear you and talk with you again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, excited to hear all about Celebrity Constellation. It's been a little while since we've heard from that ship. But before we get uh, to the ship, like we always do, we'll take a step back here. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to sail this 11-nighter out of Tampa? We got a really good deal because of COVID about 18 months ago. They had a, a sale and this itinerary popped up and we were very familiar. We sail celebrity a lot and uh, we had not been to the Central America region of the Caribbean and South America. So we thought we'd try it out and it was awesome. So you're up in the Minnesota area. You make your way down to Florida. Any pre-cruise time before you jumped on the ship? We booked our flights this time through Celebrity and they had us leaving home here the day of the cruise. And we have never done that on a winter vacation. We often can get snowed in and have weather delays and such. So we were actually quite nervous about it, but we just went with the flow and it uh, ended up being really good. So we, we took off on a Friday morning and we were at the ship, you know, about one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon when once we got away from Tampa airport and got over to the port and it went really well. So there's nothing to report as far as places in Tampa. We 
ventured to and stayed a day early, that kind of thing. We just went right to the ship. It's interesting how the cruise lines will, you know, suggest that you arrive a day early, but when they're booking your air, you're coming in the day of. The day of, yeah. Yeah. We've got a trip to Israel coming up this year and that's that's what they're doing too. And that, when we look at all of the uh, transfers we have to do between New York and Amsterdam, we're just thinking Mm -hmm. that, you know, hope we make it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you make your way to Celebrity Constellation. How was the embarkation process for you? Super easy. We had done our, our uh, proctored COVID test a couple of days before, so we had all the documentation in hand that we needed there. We did all of our pre-boarding requirements using Celebrity's app prior to getting to Tampa. And really, we uh, the short trip from the airport on Celebrity's service that they had for us, got off, showed our paperwork, our passports, and a couple of things that we had on our phone. And we were on on board within probably no more than 15 minutes, Doug. It was super slick. Wow, very good. So what were your first impressions walking on board Constellation? Well, we've sailed on the Millennium-class ships six or seven times now. We had not been on Constellation. We've been on Millennium and Summit, both prior to and after the revolutionized updates that they did. And mm-hmm. Constellation was one that they have not yet been able to get into dry dock uh, because of COVID. So we were a little concerned as to, and going back, and again, as I shared with you prior to the show, that we had been on edge in October. And uh, it's a vast difference from, from that class ship. That being said, they had replaced, it looked like all the soft materials inside the ship. Uh, some of the furniture had been replaced, the carpeting. It was in really good shape. They had done a a great job of keeping it up and it just looked remarkable. Very nice. What kind of stateroom did you have for this 11 night cruise and what were your thoughts of it? You know, we booked a veranda stateroom and about two days prior to our departure, we had been upgraded to concierge class. So we had still had the veranda stateroom and it offered a little bit bigger uh, room and a little bit bigger balcony area. So that was a fun surprise. Again, in great shape, uh, the bedding and the sofas and things like that in our in our stateroom had been replaced, so they were all new, and it was just nice and clean. Plenty of storage. You've sailed on those vessels too, and they've got. Uh, I think they've got ample storage. Mm-hmm. The one thing that they do lack is the USB ports. I know that's always a question of people. Oh yeah, they hadn't done any of the change to the electrical yet, so you had your outlets over on the uh, like the makeup counter that's in the room and. And that was pretty much it. But other than that, it was in great shape and it looked and functioned great. Very nice. Let's talk about the dining on board and we'll start at the Ocean View Cafe up at the top of the ship, the buffet. How was that? You know, like it was back in in, um, July and October when we sailed on Celebrity, they were still doing the service in the buffet. They would serve you. And we really like that. I hope that's something that stays. I just appreciate the fact that not everybody's handling the service silverware and things like mm-hmm. that, I think it's just a nice touch. For sure. Food selection is awesome as it always is on Celebrity. And capacity-wise, the, the ship holds about 2,200, and we were only sailing at about a 38% capacity, wow. which was around 840 people. So there was never a crowd. In fact, I've got photographs where it's just afternoon, and we're re- literally the only people in the dining room at that time. It was, it was quite wow. interesting. Yeah. I wonder if at 35%, like if this far along in the game, if that's still by the cruise line's choice, or if there's uh, people who don't want to really sail you know, for that long because of whatever reason. Yeah. We kind of wondered that ourselves, as we've heard that capacity is going up across the lines. I know that when we were on edge in October, it too was at a quite reduced capacity. And again, this is a little bit longer, so you didn't have like the spring break crowds and there were very few children on board. And I'm sure a lot of that was due to the the length yeah. of the um, of the itinerary and also being that there was a couple of itinerary changes from the original booking date. It's possible that some people dropped off because of that, too. Sure, that's true. So um, as far as the main dining room, what time dining did you have and how was your experience in there? Well, the experience was great. We had a six o'clock dining they usually opened up about 5:15 and i think a lot of that was just to keep the crowd from gathering and just to open it up so we actually uh, arranged it with the mater d to come in early every night at about 5:45 or so something like that just a few minutes early to get seated we we thought we did we had a lot of onboard credit and we actually thought that we would 
venture into some of the specialty dining throughout the week, but we enjoyed our staff so much that we stayed with them the entire the entire duration of the uh, cruise, and we just loved it. You have a great selection of foods, and the the uh, head waiter even at times noticed on occasion that we tended to enjoy certain types of food, and on a few occasions he would um, have some special stuff brought out for us with some pastas and shrimps that he knew we liked, and just very small portions, almost like an appetizer to get us started. And things we didn't ask for, but they just noticed and did for us. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah. And that's a true testament too of a solid main dining room service team. When someone who has the opportunity to has all this onboard credit and can go to wherever, you know, Murano or steakhouse or whatever, but decides to stay right there in the main dining room because you have such a great dining team. Absolutely. They were fantastic. They knew we'd or the first couple of nights we'd have an Evian to go mm-hmm. after dinner when we'd go walking or something. And by about the third or fourth night, there were bottles of Evian on the table for us each night. And you just can't, you can't ask for more than that. It was just top notch service. They knew exactly what we wanted and just took care of us. It was, it was fantastic. So that's where we stayed. I mean, I'd love yeah. to be able to give you some dining reviews on some of the other uh, venues that the ship offered, but I'm, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not able to. What about um, any other dining places you got it? Maybe got grabbed a bite to eat or a nibble here and there. Like, uh, isn't there a, a place like on the, uh, what is it called? The El Baccio? El Baccio? Yeah. El Baccio. Um, we would do that both in the morning. We'd have our specialty coffees there. We'd get a, a triple or double shot latte to start the day. And, you know, biscotti or a, a pastry of the day, that type of thing. And usually at the end of the night, following one of the shows in the theater or something, we'd maybe get a cordial to take up to the room and uh, another little treat. It's hard to pass <laughs> when yeah. they're there. Uh-huh. A, a friend said, what are the highlights? And I said, being able to have 10 cocktails and 10,000 calories a day and not feeling guilty about <laughs> it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how, yeah. was, how was the entertainment on this 11 night cruise? You know, the entertainment, again, I'll refer back to our edge sailing in October. The theater on the edge is just so spectacular with the the screens and the video ability that they have. So we were really wondering what it would be like to go back to kind of the old way of they did the theater and the staff that they have, the dancers and the singers on the Constellation were just fantastic. They really were. They did a, a wonderful job of putting on different uh, pop rock event one night and Broadway musical. And then throughout the cruise, we also were treated to Lamont Ferguson, who was a comedian and he performed a couple of times. And then we had Hayden Smith and his wife, Alexa, I believe they were from Australia, guitarist and saxophonist. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they do a lot of stuff on YouTube. And then we had a musical impersonator who would put on wigs and things and impersonate different people in the music realm. Her name was Karen Granger, I believe it was. And fantastic. And they would not only perform in the main theater, but we'd see them in smaller venues, like up in uh, Expressions Lounge in the evening on Deck 11. They'd come up with a real small crowd and you know maybe do 15 minutes to a half hour set of their music or comedy routine and such. It was really fun. On a cruise that's 11 nights long, obviously you kind of filter out the spring break crowd and uh, the families with kids in school and everything. But what is the nightlife like on board? Well, actually it was, it was quite lively. And I do credit that to celebrity and how they staggered the, the events that they had. They would get you in the theater to really like these people. They were touch notch entertainment. And then they would let you know that Either the celebrity singers and dancers were going to be up in this small venue on deck 11 in the evening, or these other performers were going to be up in this. It's very intimate, just a few hundred people in there, and that they would be doing an encore type performance. And they were so enjoyable in the theater. Most people, I think, went up and took part in these other activities that they had where these performers would be. And uh, the crowds were really quite well. And of course, they had silent disco and things like that, that they've been doing and all of it was very well attended throughout the trip. Very nice. And uh, I'm going to ask you this next question only because if I don't, I'll get an email asking why I didn't ask it. <laughs> and I know that celebrity, their casinos are non-smoking. So smoking is not an issue in the casinos, right? Correct. It was not okay. an issue at all. The casino was very busy most nights. 
at one evening, they even gifted everybody on the ship $5 on your CPAS card and actually took money home from celebrity. I took home wow. 30 cents from my gambling. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Now, yeah. as far as the sea days, uh, normally we talk about crowds and congestion, but at 35%, I assume there wasn't much of that. There was none. And it was wonderful. I can't tell you how many times we commented to each other. What will it be like to get back on board when there's you're at full capacity? It's just such a different experience when you can just walk out any time of the day or the morning, evening, afternoon, and find a spot by the pool if you want to sit in the sun or the solarium was always wide open, hardly anybody ever in there. There's never a line at a a spot to eat, like the burger joint that they've got right off the pool, or it's just it's such a different experience. It's wonderful. And I realized that the cruise lines are going to have to go back to mm-hmm. the other way of doing business to be profitable. But boy, I sure enjoyed it these last few cruises. Do they have the sunset bar on this one? They do. Yeah. How was it? Wonderful. Um, again, never a crowd. You could always find a place to, in fact, most of the time when we ate in Ocean View, it's right off the back of the Ocean View Cafe, when we would grab something to eat, you know, lunch or something, and we'd just walk off to the back to the sunset and there was always a table to sit at never once did we have to compromise on what we were thinking we would do yeah it's like you're in private yacht for 11 nights exactly like that <laughs> yeah well hot tubs is everything it was just yeah. you know if there was more than one person in the hot tub you thought wow it's packed right <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the ports of call on this 11 night cruise and what we'll do here yeah. is i'll just let you um give us the port and give us the highlight and then just move to the next one Sure. Well, keep in mind, we were at originally early on, Belize was supposed to be a port and due to COVID and some of that stuff that turned into a sea day, unfortunately. And then we were also supposed to have uh, Grand Cayman. And though I think Grand Cayman is now taking on vessels or they will be shortly, uh, we were not able to stop there. So Key West became our first stop on the first night. It was kind of interesting. You know, you tell your friends, I went to Tampa to take a cruise to Key West. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it always gets a good look, but yeah. Key West was really fun. You know, being that we're up here in the northern part of the country, we've been snowed in all winter. So we rented a couple of bikes and uh, cruised around on Duval Street and made our way up to the beach and just made a great day of, you know, sightseeing and riding our bikes around and getting into the sun. It was wonderful. Nice. Yeah. Grand Cayman actually opened up um, last week. So the end of March, they opened up yeah. the cruise ships with... Um, I think Disney Magic was the first one, and then some Carnival. Celebrity Apex was there last week, and it's just going to keep building from there. Yeah, you know, interesting. The very first cruise that we took, that was one of the stops. And, of course, you know, usually like on your first cruise or two, you don't know how to cruise, if you will. And we've always wanted to get back to Grand Cayman because, you know, now we know how to cruise and Mm -hmm. take advantage of our time and see the different things. And so we're really hoping that one of our itineraries we choose soon will get us back there. Yeah, for But sure. be that as it may, Key West was really nice. We'd been there before as well years ago, and it was just fun to, you know, to pull into the dock there and you know, like I say, get on a bike and just enjoy the day. It was an easy day here in the States and it was fun. Following Key West, we had two sea days down to Cartagena and you, you kind of wonder, you know, what, what are two sea days back to back going to be like on a smaller vessel? Obviously, with the lower capacity, we thought, well, they're going to have a smaller crew, which they did. Would that limit the options of things to keep us entertained through a couple of sea days? And it absolutely did not. The staff did a wonderful job of having activities to participate in and or watch all day movies, you know, anything you could think of they had available treasure hunts and things like that. Our spouses got us roped into running hmm. around looking for these little paper gift boxes that were approximately an inch by an inch and all over the ship, like a Easter egg hunt for kids (laughs) so that you could put your name into raffles, little things like that. It was just really fun. They did a great, a great job of keeping us busy. We had beautiful seas and it was just wonderful. And again, never a, a hard time finding a spot outside to enjoy the day. So it went real well on the, the next port of call would have been Cartagena, Colombia. We pulled into Cartagena midday. And first thing, I was amazed at how big of a city it was in in my mind. I guess I had pictured just not, not quite that big of a city, but it's a beautiful city as you're pulling in very tall high rises and they're all white and it just gleams. It was, it was quite beautiful pulling in. 
Uh, that afternoon, we participated in a hop-on, hop-off bus tour that also incorporated a guided walk through the old walled city of Cartagena. So that was pretty much the first stop. We got off there and we walked around with a guide for about two hours, seeing the different sites within the old walled city. And that was super cool. It's old cobblestone streets and you learn all about the the um, history of Cartagena, the old city and the fort and, and learn how it's become the big hub of Colombia that it is today. And then we were brought back out and allowed to get on the hop-on, hop-off bus that took us around the city. And it was really fun. I would uh, suggest that anybody wants to do that, that the traffic in Cartagena is immense and you have to plan accordingly. It's um, a 90-minute planned hop-on, hop-off tour is probably double that in reality. So if anybody's listening to this and wants to do that, just to plan extra time on that particular excursion. The next day, we had a uh, a tour that took us by speedboat up to an island about an hour from Cartagena. It was a private resort island, and it was called Isleta Resort. And it was just this kind of exclusive little private island. It's not a private island in the sense like Coco Cay or something like that, just very small, quaint island that they had set up where they served us a lunch and had beverages available and beach chairs, kayaks, paddle boards, uh, things like that. It was a little bit more on the expensive side for an excursion. It was about $175 a piece, but well worth it when you consider everything that came with it. It was a full day. I want to say it was about a seven-hour excursion, but it was great. It was wonderful. Nice. And that got us back to uh, the ship just in time to pull out of Cartagena. Did you do an overnight there in Cartagena? We did. Okay. Yeah. You might have said that. I, I didn't the, catch it. Yeah. The first night we... For the first day, we got in midday, roughly, and then uh, had just enough time the first day to do the, the shorter excursion, and that's how we were able to take advantage of a full day on the second. It was really fun. Gotcha. Okay. And what was A next? lot of people disembarked, I guess, too, and took advantage of some of the historical hotels that are in Cartagena. Yeah. We stopped somewhere on a cruise recently. Oh, we were, got stuck in some nasty weather on Norwegian Getaway a few weeks back. And we had to overnight in Port Canaveral and we got in probably around three o'clock in the afternoon and we weren't leaving the next day until four o'clock. So a lot of people on our ship on the whim just went over to a Disney resort, stayed at the Disney resort for the night and came back to the ship the next day. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. Then after your, uh, your stop here, your overnight in Cartagena, what was next? Yeah. So then the next day we ended up, we woke up, we were in Cologne, Panama and we had, um, on the dock, it was to do the Panama Canal. And I think the excursion we took was like the Grand Tour of Panama, it was called. Mm -hmm. And again, they did a super job of coordinating this. There was a smaller group. I think there were around 30 of us. And they were able to coordinate like when we got to the canal itself to, so that we were there in time to see a large cargo ship from Hong Kong navigating the lock. So we got to watch all of that. And that was just fascinating. I'm super glad I did that. That is one of the bucket list things we've always wanted to do. So we were able to not only see the canal, but be able to watch a ship navigate through it. And it was, it was exciting. Following that, we boarded our bus and we drove about an hour to this place called Gamboa Resort. It's more on the Western side of the country, more towards the Pacific side. And we were able to get into some river boats uh, there, and we were taken up to visit the Ambara tribe, which is a native tribe of people that live in Panama. And we visited their their community, if you will, where they did some native dance stuff for us, showed us their artwork, and, and told us a lot about the history of their people. And along the way, we saw things like sloths and you know things you just don't see here. Yeah. And then we made our way again. That was a seven and a half hour excursion, I believe. So that was the whole day. I mean, we were off the ship first thing in the morning and got back, you know, not very long before uh, we left the city or left the uh, port of Panama. So it was a full day, but we sure made use of it. Saw a lot of the, a lot of the country. It was really fun. It's funny, Kirk, because a lot of people um, feel be like, as you said, you, you know, you docked on the East side and you went basically to the West side of Panama 
and people sometimes think it takes hours to get there. But I think the Panama Canal is only, what, 50 miles long? So like from coast to coast is only 50 miles. Yeah, it's it's not very big. And they've got a freeway between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting, too. Uh, we were able to, on the riverboat that we were on, to go up to see the Simbara people. They actually were able to bring us the, there was a pause in the shipping. They go one direction, I guess, in the morning and one direction in the evening to a, to accommodate a larger flow of ships. And so we were able to go out onto the canal itself and just say we did that. So that was kind of a fun little take. Let's see. The next day, Doug, we ended up in Puerto Limon, Costa Rica. And again, it was a full day. We did the, um, just looking up here, Veruga Rainforest and Tortuguero Canal Experience. And again, that was where we took a, a small bus, not a big city bus, but a smaller bus, maybe around 40 people, and went up to this eco forest, rainforest canopy type tour. And it was maybe 90 minutes or so from town, maybe not quite that far. Beautiful drive up there. We had a phenomenal guide that just explained all about his country, about the plants that we were seeing. We'd stop a couple of times and he'd pick a bunch of bananas and we'd try the these real sweet bananas that are from Costa Rica. And we saw sloths and toucans and just all this really cool stuff. And when you get up to the rainforest, there's a tramway that takes you down into a, a valley as you begin at the top. And there's a waterfall walk and they've got a butterfly garden and uh, a frog display where you see a lot of the frogs that are native to the rainforest. Many are very venomous, like the red dart frog, for example, very small and very lethal. So it's just a fun day of learning about the ecology and plant life and all that stuff that they have in Costa Rica. And as we got back in towards Puerto Limon, we were able to... um, ride in these canals that they talked about. And it's just kind of a canal system near town where they have some, uh, it's almost like small shipping lanes for small boats to get out to the, almost like a water coast, your coastal waterway system that you've got in Florida, essentially. And again, we saw a lot of wildlife through there. That was the purpose of it was just mm-hmm. to, it was more of an eco tour almost, you know, where they were just really explaining a lot about, you know, the flora and fauna and the animals of Costa Rica. It was a fun day. And again, that was all day. We, we literally got back late. They held the ship for us. We were telling the guy, you know, I think we're supposed to be back. He's like, I do this all the time. Don't worry. You're not leaving without you. (laughs) It was really fun. We got a full day out of that, but no time for shopping or anything like that. They literally were waiting to pull the gangway up when, when our bus got on, on board, everything that's usually on the dock was all, picked up and put away and everyone's standing there looking at their watches. So it was fun. Good day. It, it makes a difference though. Like when you have a, a, a tour guide like you did that like is really just immerses you into his local culture. Like that's what really makes the tour. Oh, hundred percent. And he was, he interacted the entire day. He, he didn't just say a few things and sit at the front of the bus. He was walking up and down the aisles asking us, you know, are you sure you don't have questions? Are you afraid? You know, maybe you got a question that you're afraid to ask in front of everybody, things like that. It was wonderful. Yeah, just top notch. You played it safe. And, when I went to Puerto Limon a couple of years back, I did the whitewater rafting. Scared mm. the hell out of me. I would love to have done that. It was yeah. pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm not sure. It was like class two or something. or It wasn't really crazy. It was on a Holland America ship. So, you know, it wasn't that yeah. crazy. But uh, it was crazy enough where I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't think I could ever do this because I'd be. I'd be mortified. I'd be terrified if I got thrown out of that boat because you, you had a helmet on and there was rocks everywhere. But yeah, you played it safe, my friend. Where'd you go after Port of Limon? Uh, sea day. Uh, as I recall, we had a sea day. Um, again, just lots of stuff to do on the ship. Lots of activities, you know, the usual fun stuff and uh, a couple of nice cocktails during the day to beat the heat. And then we found ourselves the next day in Cozumel. Nice. Been to Cozumel a number of times. We kind of baited, actually, should we just stay on board? And, you know, we thought at first, well, we before we left, you know, maybe we'd just stay on board and we won't have to fight the crowd. Well, there never was a crowd. So we thought, well, let's get off. And actually, we went down to guest services and talked about some of the excursion stuff. They were really looking for some reviews because some of these were newer excursions. 
And since kind of they're restarting up, they hadn't had a lot of review on how some of them were working. So we were giving them a lot of feedback mm-hmm. and they had this new spot that was brand new to them in Cozumel. And it was called um, Bucano Beach Resort. And we said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take you up on it. We'll try it. And again, they were just like, please be sure you let us know. In fact, they sent somebody with the ship with us because I think they really wanted to see how it would work out. It was a very small, quaint beach resort. When you say resort, I mean, I didn't even see like the hotel. It was like um, they had a pool, a real small beach area, a snorkeling area, nice restaurant and bar, uh, but no hotels. That kind of thing was top notch. I would give it a 10 plus great food, great service on the beach where it was located uh, about 10 minutes from the port. So you didn't spend a lot of time in a car. You were off doing what you wanted to be doing quickly. And we were there for about five hours. Uh, We weren't in Cozumel very long, Doug. I think we got in around 11 and I believe we left about 4.30. So it was kind of a fast day. So that was just the perfect excursion to do. And of course we had to Having been to Mexico a bunch of times, we have some peanuts that we love, and we made a quick run over to the grocery store where we knew we could get them Nice, <laughs> and did that too. And then, unfortunately, that's the night you get back, your luggage tags are on your bed, and uh, you start packing up. We had one more sea day, which we enjoyed greatly. The seas were perfectly calm. Uh, just uh, one more wonderful day with the staff that treated us so great over 11 days, and uh, that was the end of it. We were back in Tampa. Um, we actually were supposed to take our flight home was late in the day in Tampa, and we had an excursion to tour Tampa and see a bunch of the stuff there just to kill time more than anything. And it ended up being canceled due to, to lack of participation. So by about 845 in the morning, we were in the airport and uh, waiting for our flight six hours later, and we were on our way home. So that beach resort you went to in Cozumel, I can't pronounce it. How do you pronounce it? I believe it's like Bucanos, yes. B-U-C-C-A-N-O-S or something like that. Yeah. So I've had some friends, um, actually a couple now at this point, that have are actually choosing that place over, they were like Nachi Kokum fans for years. Uh-huh. And they're saying this blows Nachi Kokum away. So I can't wait to try that next time I'm there in uh, Cozumel. Yeah, it was it was a lot better. They didn't really have much information on it, other than it. They said it was a like a you know they call it a VIP type thing, whatever. And mm-hmm. it was a ten plus rating and just um, nice amenities, just a great place to go. I mean, if I ever was found myself in Cozumel, being it's so close to town too. Yeah, not that anything's that far in Cozumel, but you know that quick to sitting on the beach off the ship is you couldn't ask for more. How was your disembarkation as far as, you know, getting your luggage and getting off the ship into the pier? Super easy. Again, with so few people, they call your number and away you go. And since we had transportation provided from Celebrity, you know, we had a special spot that we were able to go sit and we no sooner got there and they're like, hey, you guys are ready to go. So we were off the ship and through customs in I'd say five minutes, but it was probably 10. It was just like, we just walked off and we were on the bus back to the airport. It was that slick. Any first time tips to offer anyone either sailing a long Caribbean itinerary like this slash Central America or sailing celebrity constellation? Sailing constellation. I'd have no hesitation whatsoever to get on that ship again. I've been on celebrity probably eight or 10 times now, and I stand behind their product a hundred percent. I would say as far as the trip like that, that's maybe a little longer, research, research, and more research. Be sure that you are familiar with where you're going so you can make good use of your time. I would also suggest not to just book your cruise and then don't pay attention to it. We actually had a price drop where we saved almost $800. Wow. And that's just by watching the different offerings that come sign up for their their marketing and you know always check it against your your booking and you might find a surprise that hey you know call your travel agent and say it looks to me like we could save four hundred dollars a person is that so and in our case it was and we were able to save a little bit of money and it was great and then don't be afraid to book your transportation i think with the cruise line we've done it a couple of times now and it's worked out very well that's the the price has been very competitive and to have people standing at the luggage with your uh, celebrity cruises thing and just taking you right to the ship. It's, it's a fun way to travel. It takes a lot of the worry and stress out of it. You're not having to 
pull up your Uber app and look for the car and things like that. They're just waiting for you. It's, it's, it's the way to go. And it, it really doesn't cost you any more. Yeah. What you were saying about, you know, researching the trip, I, I compare it a lot to going to Central America, like going to Europe or the Mediterranean, where you'll definitely want to like, you don't want to just walk off the ship and think, oh, what am I going to do today? Because it's not like Key West and it's not like no. Cozumel. You have to have something set in stone before you arrived or you could be out of luck. Absolutely. And there's so much information available to us now through avenues like your program, YouTube. You know, if you follow some of this stuff on Twitter, there's just so much information to somebody that enjoys cruising or first time travelers that they can really make their trip much more enjoyable by putting just a little bit of time into to learning about the process. And even a first-time cruiser, I know it can be very intimidating, but I think if you educate yourself enough, you take a lot of that worry away because so many people have done it before and show you how to do it. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? I'd say the Panama Canal, just yeah. from its the engineering feat that it is. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool to be able to have finally been there and, and seen it and to know how that has changed shipping in our world and things like that. That's pretty cool. But also, uh, if I could say another one, the absolute joy and passion that our tour guide had for his country in Costa Rica, and it's a beautiful place, mm-hmm. um, and the wealth of information he shared about it. I, I'm so glad that I, I booked those excursions through the cruise line because they were top-notch. They had done their homework, and they hired some really good people. In closing, your final thoughts of Celebrity Constellation. Love it. I'd book it again today if I could. (laughs) Very nice. We've been talking with Kirk about his 11-night cruise round trip from Tampa down to Central America on Celebrity Constellation. Kirk, it was great talking to you, my friend. And uh, thank you again for sharing this review. Yeah, it's been good talking to you, Doug. We'll catch up with you after Israel trip this summer. Perfect. Sounds like a plan. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.